Welcome to the Profitable Happiness Podcast, where we feature stories from highly successful CEOs, business leaders, and experts who exemplify the use of inspirational leadership, employee happiness, and harmonious teams to build business profitability. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Pillay with the Profitable Happiness Podcast, and it is my pleasure to introduce you to Randy McNeely, who is the Chief Kindness Officer and author of this wonderful book, The Kindness Giver's Formula. And Randy, it is such a pleasure to be talking with you. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. I'm doing even better because I have the privilege of being on with Dr. Pele, the music master of business, man. So it's, hey, what else can I ask for today? <laughs> Thank you so much, Randy. I appreciate that. And, you know, You're it's funny because, you know, we've met in a couple different ways and it didn't really come to the fore until we decided to meet over a Zoom call and just get to know one another. We have yeah. some mutual friends that have written very successful books. And by the way, my wife, read your book, The Kindness Giver's Formula, and she said, honey, you've got to interview this guy. This is an amazing book. I want to give this book to all my friends at work, you know, and, and she, she's a medical doctor and she works in a very, you know, high stress emergency room, as you can imagine, especially in this oh my goodness, COVID-19 yeah. era. So um, th- when she said that, I said, you know what, I got to just get this to happen. So I'm, I'm very appreciative that you're joining us today. Thank you. Well, thank you, boy. You just made my day. I'm blushing, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's start from the beginning, right? You know, a guy like you, with the success that you're experiencing, the the the, the book you've written, the things you're doing, you didn't just show up out of nowhere, right? Give us a sense of the journey that brought you here. What created the chief kindness officer role that you are now the leader of? Boy, how do I uh, enca- encapsulate that in a simple nutshell? I. I grew up in a challenging situation. I was blessed to have great friends who helped me to get through some really tough times. I've been working in cybersecurity for a long time. And, and you know, when you're in the cybersecurity arena and you're the information security officer, you're the guy that people love to hate. If they don't want to talk to you, <laughs> you can be the nicest guy on the planet. And nobody wants to talk to you. But yeah. I've always wanted, because of the blessings I received as I was growing up, people helping me through tough and challenging times. I've always wanted to make a personal impact on other people. Mm. And I've been working in the cybersecurity arena for a long time. In fact, a a little over a year and a half ago, I broke away and decided to form my own consultancy. And uh, at the same time, I happened to get in contact with a good friend of mine, somebody I hadn't had contact with for a while, somebody that you know, Dr. Elia Gregoris, and uh, reached out to him about an idea I had for a for a kindness-driven reality TV show. And he had already been a producer for a reality TV show. So I thought, well, heck, he knows, he knows a little bit about what it takes to have, get one on the air. So I reached out to him. He liked the idea. We started working on that. At the same time, I was you know, trying to build my business consultancy for cybersecurity, HIPAA security and privacy, all that stuff. Well, then we had all those shootings last summer in California and in Texas. And, you know, it it really, really got to me. I had, I had this simple formula in my head, but I wasn't quite sure how to articulate it in a way that would be um, useful and actionable instantly to people. And then I listened to a talk 
or a, a speech given by the amazing leadership author, John Maxwell. And he talked about uh, creating value for people. And he listed out five steps for creating value. And I thought, wow, I can, I mean, I just, uh, ding, 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 the lights went off in my head. I can create a, a simple four-step formula based on the, you know, inspired by his formula, but turn it into, instead of using the words value, use the word kindness. Mm. And when those shootings happen, I thought, I have to do something. I can't just sit back and hope that somebody else is going to stand up and take care of things. I may have my one-twelfth action. And what I call it, when when I say one-twelfth action, I think of honeybees. They produce only one-twelfth of a teaspoon of honey in their lifetime. But Mm. working together, 60,000 of them produce a ton of honey. My my one-twelfth effort, making this book, standing up, speaking out, advocating kindness as a means to restore light, hope, love, unity, and peace to our troubled world. And, and talking about how putting that thing into practice can make such a difference, make a huge difference in helping to restore those things because our world needs it more than ever. Little did I know then what was going to be happening now. Yeah. So that's it, kind of how I... took it that, to the next level, didn't it? <laughs> it? It did. So that's kind of how I got to where I am. Yeah. And, and by the way, when, when I say this, um, I'm sure we're probably going to be airing at a time when a lot of this situation still exists. I'm talking about the COVID-19 uh, situation that we all find ourselves in, the coronavirus. Yeah. Um, you know, I, there's some things you said that really, really struck a positive chord in me. You know, you talk about honeybees working together. You talk about concepts like kindness. And, and, and I see that you're drawing from nature. And, and I, I think if we look at nature, I, I would love to get your perspective on, on what I'm thinking here. If we look at nature, I would say that nature is the ultimate playground for kindness. Now, you can only see kindness in nature if you recognize that even dying is kindness to another species. So, for example, if you look at the food chain, yeah, there yeah. comes a time when one animal has to die in order for another animal to eat. When you look at plants, the fact that they have to give out um, oxygen so that we can breathe, and yet they yeah. take in the carbon dioxide that we breathe, it's a constant cycle yeah. of helping each other and being kind to each other in the way we live and in the way we die. I know that's kind of out there, but that's what I, th- I thought about when you started comparing you know, some of your kindness concepts to nature. What are your thoughts on nature and how, how kindness is seen in nature? Well, I think there's some amazing parallels between the things we see in nature and the things that, that can bring harmony and, and hope and happiness to our lives. And when I see, you know, we used to live in West Virginia and, and, and we're surrounded by woods. I had eight acres of woods around my house. I miss that place a lot. <laughs> but we would wake up listening to nature's concert, the birds singing, mm. hearing the harmony, and then look outdoors and there would be a deer with two babies in our yard. And they came every year we were there, same, same deer, two new babies. I, I'd never seen it before, you know, deer with twins, but the way they take care of each other, the way they look out for each other, the, the mother's ears perked up, listening, paying attention to what's going on around, making sure her kids are safe. You know, her bait, her, her does are safe. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing in, in life. You know, when, when, you know, good parents 
will per- keep their ears and their eyes open. They're looking around to make sure that they're paying attention to what's going on so that they can protect their children. Now, do I mean they shelter them or keep anything from happening? No, but they help them to understand and recognize the things that are good and the things that are not so good yeah. and know when to, to, to go towards something and know when to turn and, you know, get away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, they're, they're bird, watching birds take care of each other and, and, and yeah, and, and honeybees, honeybees fascinate me. So there, there's a multitude of things in yeah. nature that we can learn about life. Absolutely. You know, in your book, you talk about the four simple steps for making yeah. a transformational difference for good. Love yeah. that title. Um, you know, your book, The Kindness Givers Formula. Can you tell us a little bit about what you mean by kindness and in the chief kindness officer role that you play right now what exactly does that mean as we approach sort of what you do today tell us what what really birthed this idea in this book in all honesty you know it it was spurred by the shootings that happened last year even though well let me rephrase that that was the impetus to write it Mm -hmm. the the impetus I, i i've had a desire to share and spread kindness for a long time to inspire people because again, because of people being kind to me mm. and, and showing love to me and helping me particularly through some really dark and challenging times when I was a teenager, you know, my, my father made some serious mistakes and ended up going to jail and I lived in a small town. It was embarrassing. Yeah. You know, it was, it was all on the news. It was in the newspapers. I was a newspaper boy and I, and I go to pick up my newspapers to deliver and, and there uh, you on were. The front, my front headline, you know, front headline story about my dad. And, wow. and, and I was fortunate enough during that time to have some amazing friends that rather than, than, uh, you know, I was so embarrassed and I thought, man, these guys aren't going to want to be friends with me anymore. I mean, because of what my dad did, I blame myself for his mistakes, which of course was ridiculous. But uh, they, they didn't do that. They didn't shun me. They didn't turn away from me. They loved me. They reached out to me. It's okay. They lifted me. They supported me. And I share one simple story in that book uh, about uh, one of those friends, you know, in a time when my self-esteem was on the floor, I, I, I had created this agenda. I misspelled a word called, mis- you know, I misspelled the word miscellaneous. And she pointed it out to me, not in an unkind way. And I looked at her and I said, and this, 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 what I said expresses how I felt about myself at the time. Mm-hmm. I said, boy, I bet you think I'm pretty stupid, huh? <laughs> you know, I mean, that, and that's what I said. And her words, her response to me was, oh, no, I don't. I think you're pretty neat. Wow. And I've never forgotten that. I, re- I didn't realize at that time how much I needed to hear those words. Mm. But that experience has, has stayed with me for 35, over 36 years. I've never forgotten that. And so in, in the back of my mind, because of all the kindness that's been given to me, and there's a bunch of different things that have happened since then, I, sure, sure. I've always wanted to give back. And that, uh, the, the shootings and things last year just gave me an impetus to, to, I, I, to get that formula out of my head and onto paper. Yeah. Do you mind if I share the four simple steps? You know, Let's get to that in a minute because okay. I, I'm really fascinated by, truly fascinated by the impact that that little act of kindness had on you. And yeah. I'm wondering for people out there who may be listening, can you help us identify 
the challenges that people who need this solution, which we're going to talk about, the challenges they're experiencing, kind of what state of mind they're currently in, which you were in when you experienced that kindness. Because as we solve problems for organizations, it's helpful for people to self-identify. So help us describe the challenges that your typical customers, the people you help are currently facing before you begin to talk about the solution, which we're going to do in a second. Okay. Well, you know, in, in a lot of organizations, they're facing challenges with absenteeism, mm-hmm. lack of loyalty, lack of employee engagement. They, they face uh, challenges with toxic environments where people are either uh, bullying, because you know, that goes on inside organizations all the time, where there is micromanagement to the hilt. There's, there's all those challenges come back to really um, insecurity mm-hmm. within the organization and instability within the organization because they're lacking a clear-cut vision and a clear-cut purpose for people to work for. And they, they lack a clear-cut culture mm. where people can feel like they're, they're appreciated, where they feel like they're, they care, uh, they're cared about, where they feel like they have a voice and they can be heard and they can express their ideas. Those are the real, uh, the, the big challenges that uh, nearly you know, 90%, 95% of organizations out there face. Yeah. That, and that, so, that, mm-hmm. go ahead. No, I was just going to say that, that is powerful because, um, you know, now I, I can put myself in that picture. And I think um, anyone who's listening can really understand the kind of solutions that you bring when you talk about kindness, just so it's not confu- confused with just random acts, uh, right? Like it's, it's got a purpose uh-huh. behind it. So There, there so actually is a, a, a real, I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> so go ahead and tell us a little bit more about how you deliver that solution. When you talk about kindness, what does it look like when you use it in the context of solving these organizational challenges you've discussed? Well, one of the things that's important is, first of all, doing an assessment. And I've created a kindness culture framework that uh, organizations can utilize. It's still, I, I want to clarify, it's in the finalization stage stages where I'm creating this framework that organizations will be able to utilize to assess, their org- assess how they're doing in specific categories for creating a culture that is conducive to loyalty, creativity, innovation, and stuff like that. What I call a kindness culture. I've got the kindness culture framework. Mm-hmm. You know, other organizations may call it a, a, a well-being, a wellness culture, or a happiness culture, however you want to frame it, you know. But I utilize, utilize that tool to assess where they are currently. Then you can identify gaps. You can, and you do that through, you know, conducting interviews. Mm-hmm. At, the, at the various levels with the appropriate stakeholders in different departments and things like that, depending on the size of the organization. So that way, you can have open discussions. And when you identify those gaps, then things that are, that are challenges that people are having come to light. Mm-hmm. Because the only way to help organizations is to identify, first of all, their pain points. You have to know what their pain points are. And then you can come up with creative solutions to be able to address those pain points and help them resolve those issues and, and create a culture that's more cohesive and more, more in harmony, as Dr. Pele would like to say, <laughs> more in harmony and, and, and where 
you know, the, the organizational song is actually playing, you know, in a harmonious tune that works as, as opposed to dissonance where, which, uh, none of us likes to hear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So tell us, t tell us what those four simple steps are, because again, I, I love the way you position, um, and assess kindness, um, as a tool for wellness, for well-being or happiness, it's really one of the most powerful things we can do to create our own happiness and the happiness of others. So tell us, what, what are your four simple steps for making the transformational difference in an organization through kindness? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step back and say these are four steps that can be used at the personal level, at the family level, mm -hmm. neighborhood, community, and, and that leads into the workforce and things like that. But there, every day, every day, I as an individual can determine to be a kindness giver. Mm -hmm. Get up and determine I'm going to be a kindness giver today. And I can use that in my family, my neighborhood, my work. I, I let that lens be how I view the day. Mm -hmm. And then I think of and plan, situa you know, think of situations that I'm going to be in and plan potential opportunities to be kind in those situations. I take five or 10 minutes and think about that. What can I do when I'm here to do simple things that I, what simple things can I do to make a difference for good in these situations? Mm. And I say potential because we all know <laughs> the best laid plans of mice and men, right? I mean, they, they, you can plan your day and five times out of 10, Murphy's Law will kick in and something will come up that, that throws your day off. But you, you, you plan those potential things. And then look for, the third step is to look for and act on opportunities to be kind as they come up. You know, put your kindness antennas up. And as you're going throughout the day, not only in the, if, you know, if you get into the potential situations you, pl you uh, planned, then great. Do the kindness that you thought about. But more often than not, we come across situations where we can give a simple kindness that will lift or bless somebody, a smile, a kind word, a thank you, you know, for something well done, holding the door for somebody or, you know, being polite in traffic and letting somebody in. <laughs> you know, how many times do you sit there and you're trying to get over and nobody will let you get over? Multitude of things. So look for and act on opportunities to be kind. And the final step really is to just invite and encourage other people to do the same thing. Yeah. You know, it's and, funny. It's, go ahead. Please finish that thought. Well, I was just going to say, you know, when we do that, that's how, that's how kindness becomes contagious and mm. spreads. Mm. You know, as you were saying that, I wrote down each of your four steps, if you will. And do you mind if I share back what I wrote down? Because I really enjoyed it. Make sure you I bet. get it right, too. I would love to hear it. So the first thing I think you said was, you have to know that it's up to you and you can decide. Each day, wake up, make a decision, decide to be kind and to show kindness. Is that correct? The first yep. Okay. yep. Then the next step is to recognize, and it's funny because I was going to ask you about this, recognize that there will be challenges <laughs> and you have to be able to deflect um, and, and work around those challenges to you being kind. In fact, we know we live in a competitive world, um, sometimes an unkind world. You have to actually be ready for some of those things as they come your way. Yeah. Then the third step is do kindness. Actually go out there and do it. Yeah. And then the fourth step was invite others to do it. And so really, it's like, these are like four Ds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm always putting acronyms together, but I love yeah. that. It's so simple. 
it's it's it communicates so well and it it's actionable you can move forward with it yeah yeah well and there's you know it's interesting since i wrote the book i would actually if i were to rewrite it right now i would add a fifth step mm. and the fifth step would be at the end of the day reflect and and uh write down what you learned write down your experiences reflect and record really reflect and record your on and record your experiences mm -hmm. because it, that has a way of of uh and putting ingraining them in your mind yeah uh, we, it, why do, why do people care about being kind in the first place you know and why do they say kindness is contagious mm. you know it, it's because it makes us feel good yeah, we we love the way. I mean, it releases dopamine and oxytocin and all these other good things into our system, and it just makes us feel good. When 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 we see the light that comes into somebody else's eyes, or even if they don't return, if they don't respond, we know we did something good, and so it affects us. It affects our psyche. It affects uh, how we act and and what we're able to accomplish. Yeah, so, I I I've heard or read. I can't remember right now a study that said um, a certain number of people were given um, some money, right? Yeah. And they, they were asked to spend the money however they wanted. Yeah. And some people spent the money on themselves. Just, yeah. you know, that was fine. And then they measured their happiness and they asked them in a follow-up survey, well, how does this make you feel? Some people used that money as part of the study to spend on other people on yeah. providing maybe a charity or a, some other solution, but for other people. And the amazing thing is that the higher degree of happiness was felt on the side where people used the money they were given to help other people. So I think oh, yeah. to your point, um, kindness makes us feel great when we are the recipients of it, but actually when we are the givers of it as well. Well, it's an interesting thing. Kindness, I call kindness a boomerang. It really is. When you give it out, give it away, it always comes back. Mm. And a lot of times it comes back in ways that are least expected. You know, it, it was so awesome for me to get up uh, last week, I think, or a week and a half ago and, and see this note from a guy named Dr. Pele in my, <laughs> in my uh, LinkedIn messages saying, you know, my wife loved your book and, and, you know, she wants to give it to all her coworkers. I mean, that was those kind of things are gratifying and 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 it, it makes me feel like I, you know because sometimes i've worked hard on this and and as all authors know you know books aren't aren't uh always the 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 uh money maker that we would hope they would be but they open doors they open doors and that that, that lead to other things and lead to us to be able to being able to support ourselves etc uh, but it, it is gratifying to hear people say that so that I think, okay, my work with my effort has been worth it. Yeah. You know, the, the handwritten note is what came to my mind when, when, you, uh, when you mentioned that. I have one that I always hang on my wall right there from a CEO that I interv interviewed on a podcast. And she took the time to write this wonderful little note that just, it made my day, month, year... <laughs> <laughs> to know that someone appreciates um, this 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 free format and and, yeah. and and thing that we're doing um, called a podcast so much that she wrote that note it just that act of kindness just made me it empowered me and and so a lot of the reason I continue to do what I do is because I know someone out there appreciates it and so to your point those little things we can do 
to power other people. Just amazing. You know, you know, Randy, as, as we look to sort of wrap up, I wonder, I'd love to get your perspective here on the idea that a lot of people in organizations simply don't get the connection between concepts like kindness or, or well-being or happiness, these softer skills as they're described, right? They don't see the connection between kindness and business profitability. They don't see the connection between kindness and success for their organizations. How would you help them understand the link between just kindness between people and business market share, sales, and success that we all measure uh, daily and, and weekly and monthly? Well, I think that, that that comes from assessing where they are and understanding what their pain points are and then being able to tie those pain points back into what I call kindness points. For example, if you lack a well-defined vision, you're not being kind to yourself as an organization. Because when you have a well-defined vision and you have a well-defined cause, people in organizations, members of your workforce, want to work for a good cause. They want to have a sense of purpose. Mm -hmm. And so when, when, when you have that good cause, when they have that sense of purpose, then they have increased loyalty. Mm -hmm. The other thing is, you know, you can talk to them about, you know, how many organizations do you hear complain about lack of employee engagement or high turnover rates or absenteeism or all those things? Okay, what can you do about it? What is the driver behind those things? If employees feel like they're appreciated, like they have a voice, like they have opportunities to share ideas, like they have the tools that empower them to learn and to grow and to advance, what does that do for their loyalty? Yeah. It goes, it skyrockets. And what happens to absenteeism and to turnover and to all those things that cost companies in the United States alone billions of dollars every year, yeah. those costs go way, way down. Absolutely. And when, you ha when those things happen, increased productivity, better customer care, mm -hmm. better customer care. So you're talking about marketing, right? Every organization, you know, that starts to get a grow of any size has to talk about marketing, has to worry about marketing. And they usually hire, they may hire a chief marketing officer or, you know, someone that's going to be in charge of that. Well, you think about it. How much money do you spend on marketing? A lot of companies spend a ton. They spend millions of dollars, literally, every year or hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars for marketing. Who is your greatest market resource? If you have employees that love your company, they become, if you have 10,000 employees that love your company, they become, your, your market reach just increased by 10,000 people times the 10,000 people that they know or the 100,000 or whatever, millions of people reached. If you have happy clients that love your company, you have 20 clients, 100 clients, 200 clients. You just extended your market reach mm -hmm, <laughs> by mm -hmm. those 200 clients because they like you. And think about what happens when you extend your market reach that way. When you have clients, internal, meaning your workforce, and external, meaning your, you know, your external clients that love you, that are willing to give you testimonials, that are willing to say, hey, we've got this position open. And Joe, I know you're the guy that could fit this. You know, why don't you come and apply? Here's why. When that happens, what happens to your overall organizational opportunities and prosperity? Mm. They all go up. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's a that your bottom line, you can have what I call continuous kindness driven bottom line increases. Mm. I, I love the way you use um, sort of almost the, the, the key performance indicator approach, a very methodolic, you know, a very specific, almost scientific formula yeah. to get at your, your, your measurement of kindness. And as we know, what you measure is what you can improve, right? <laughs> well, and that's, you know, it's interesting you bring that up because part of the kindness culture framework is establishing what I call kindness health indicators. Mm. And if those key kindness health indicators are in place and functioning well, then your culture is going to be functioning well. And then the wheel that drives toward continuous kindness-driven bottom line increases, it's yeah. going to be going full speed ahead. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Randy, if you were to boil down, down to your three top nuggets of advice regarding how to begin to create a kindness culture at one's organization, what would your top three nuggets of advice be? First, remember that uh, people, when they come into your organization, don't dump their needs at the door. Mm. We all have physical, emotional, mental, spiritual needs. And when I talk about spiritual, I'm not trying to get religious. I'm talking about people need to feel valued, feel important, mm. feel like they're appreciated. Remember that people don't dump those needs at the door. So be aware, have whole being intelligence, not just emotional intelligence, but whole being intelligence, being aware of, what you, of where your employees are. Particularly, that's vitally important right now with all the remote workers that we have and in the situation that we're in in the COVID-19. Mm -hmm. Second, always look for opportunities for continuous improvement within, within the organization. Mm -hmm. When I say continuous improvement, I mean continuous, continually look for ways that you can lift and build and strengthen your employees and empower them. You know, because when they when they feel like again, I guess it's tied into the the first nugget. But when they feel like you care, mm -hmm. like you really want them to succeed, that's going to draw out of them the best. Yeah, and they are going to reciprocate that. They're going to really want the organization to succeed, mm -hmm. right? And the final thing that I would I would say is um, keep sharpening the saw. As a Steve uh, Stephen Covey uh, uh, concept, but keep sharpening sharpening the saw. Keep looking for opportunities to reward and recognize the good things that people are doing, including the organization. Think of ways to reward your uh, your workforce members and reward the organization, the leadership, the people who are working with them for the good things that you're doing. And I guess that, that ties back into continuous improvement, but keep sharpening the saw and looking for ways to grow your teamwork, grow your sense of unity, grow your sense of purpose, because that's what's going to keep people going in the most challenging times, particularly right now, those leaders that are doing that in this time of the COVID pandemic with remote workers mm -hmm. and staying in touch and checking and making sure not only that how their work's going, but how their families are doing, how they're doing personally. Those are the leaders that are winning the hearts and winning the loyalty of their employees. And those are the leaders that have employees that are engaged and really trying to work hard. Yeah. Leaders that aren't doing that, they are, they've got employees that are sitting there looking for other jobs while they're at home. 
Yeah, yeah. And and we all know the importance of the the engaged um or if you will the the happy employees. That's how we build yeah. profitable companies. Um, if you can I say one just one other thing to the final thing? If you are engaged you want engaged employees, you need to be engaged with them. Mm, nice. If and you want engaged employees, be engaged with them. That sums up everything we've said today. And kindness yeah. is the best way to engage. Yeah, yeah. Imagine that. There's a reciprocity between your engagement and theirs. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> amazing <laughs> um, how that works. Yeah, amazing how that works. Randy, I want to thank you not only for writing this book, The Kindness Givers Formula, but also for being a guest on our show. How can people reach you online? What's the best way to, to connect with you? Well, two ways. I, I spend most of my time social media-wise on LinkedIn. Yeah. So they can reach out and connect me on LinkedIn and reach out to me at randymcneely.com. It's actually in the process. Uh, my, my website is a little bit stagnant right now because I'm in the process of rebuilding it. But they can reach, to, reach me through there through the contact form. All right. Well, thank you so much, Randy, for being a guest on our show. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. You, you know, you're, you're a wonderful man, Dr. Paley. I appreciate so much what you're doing. Thank you for, I really want to say thank you for creating this platform. Thank you for all the efforts you're making to give people like myself the opportunity to share their story and to maybe share a few nuggets of wisdom with your audience. And thank you for uh, all that you're doing to share your wisdom and your uh, wonderful talents and abilities with the rest of us. Oh, okay. So I'm blushing, but you, you just can't see it. All right. <laughs> harder, to, harder to see when your skin's a little darker. So <laughs> that's the problem we have with me being a white guy. You can tell when I go red as a bee or something. You know? Thank you so much, Randy, and have a wonderful day. Thank you, Dr. Pele. I appreciate you. All right. Thanks for tuning in to the Profitable Happiness Podcast. For more episodes, visit drpele.com. And remember, Get happy first and success will follow.